Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mm-hmm. Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan, as always, wherever you listen throughout the world. We thank you so much for listening to us here on the Big Orange Podcast. Uh, we talk everything balls every week. And uh, if you want to listen to that regularly, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed, Apple, Spotify, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe. If you do subscribe, you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. This one for the second week in a row. This one's not on a Monday. This one's also not live, so what I'm about to say doesn't apply. But usually, we're live at 4 p.m. on Mondays. Uh, And since we're live, you can drop in on YouTube, on Facebook, wherever you want to watch and uh, comment. And you can be a part of the show. But this week, it is recording. Going to talk about that in just one second. But at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z sports facebook.com slash a to z sports nashville and a to z sports.com for all the stuff that zach writes on that beautiful new website that a to z has um okay so it is tuesday the show is not live it is uh we're posting it at 4 p.m but we're not uh not having uh the usual interaction with our viewers that we typically have because i'm on vacation i'm on the west coast it is early here so we were able to knock it out early and so it all works. But uh, that's the long and the short of it. And Zach, what's up, man? Hey, yeah, what's going on? It's, uh, what, 8 eight something in the morning where you're at? Almost 9 o'clock. It's uh, 8.45. Truly- uh, yeah, it's, it's honestly been good because we've been getting a jump on every single day because we're obviously jet lag, generally speaking. And so we've been popping awake at like six 30 every morning. And and then you, you know, you're beating everybody to whatever they do. We went to Las Vegas and uh, in Sedona uh, and went, went to the grand Canyon. And that was, it's been pretty sweet. Good times out here. Um, have you run into any, uh, have you run into any Tennessee fans? You always see people on vacation talking about how Tennessee fans are just worldwide. You see them everywhere. I mean, I've had that experience myself going all kinds of places i saw a tennessee hat at a city field last year in new york have you seen anything out there saw a couple in las vegas i did um didn't get close enough to give them a go balls but i i wish i could have uh did you see jeremy just, Pruitt playing poker in any tournaments in las vegas <laughs> i kept an eye out but he uh yeah he he wasn't around uh i, I wish i could have seen him because we're going to talk about him uh on today's yeah, show oh yeah uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be a whole topic on the show today. Before, before I get into that, i got to tell you quickly about the amazing sponsors that keep this show afloat, Superbook Sports. There's no better place to wager on your favorite sports than Superbook Sports. Go to Superbook.com and download the app today. Superbook Sports, Rattle and Snap, Tennessee, Whiskey from Locksdale Distillery. Make your own luck just like Tennessee football's fast-paced Rattle and Snap offense with Rattle and Snap, Tennessee Whiskey. Omaha Steaks, get $30 off your order of perfectly aged steaks, juicy burgers, and decadent desserts with our promo code VOLS. That is V-O-L-S, Omaha Steaks. And Farm Bureau Health Plans for better health for better coverage, better rates, and better service. Go to fbhb.com slash ATOZ Farm Bureau Health Plans. Um yeah, I mean it just is uh no matter where you go, if it's a pretty densely populated place, just we I mean, I, I remember going as a kid, we went to Hawaii and we ran into an entire family from Knoxville. Um uh, on a trip to Hawaii. So, I mean, <clears throat> had plenty of experiences where ball fans are just all over the place, man. It's ridiculous. Oh, for sure. I mean, maybe you had an impact. Maybe you ran into some of Nico's family in Hawaii that that's in there and had a, <laughs> that's always in his mind or something. Yeah, they the are. They're definitely there, but I'll, I'll give everybody a quick rundown of the show today. So we're going to talk first about pro day, but specifically pro day Hinden hooker has been getting crazy hype. There was a, a tweet that I noticed. I think I, I sent it to myself. I'll have to find it again. But somebody said there were multiple NFL teams 
that were saying they would choose Hooker over Will Levis. So what a beautiful vindicating moment that is for Hinden Hooker. I hope that does actually come true. We're going to talk about that. <clears throat> then we got uh, a new uh, top-notch quarterback commit for Tennessee. And we're going to talk a little bit about spring ball along with that too. Then Jeremy Pruitt in the news again because uh, Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated wrote an article about how Pruitt is still fighting his case and still screwing life up for Tennessee. Just leave us alone, man, please. Uh, and finally, we'll talk a little bit about Kirby Smart shooting his mouth off. Of, not not specifically about Tennessee, but it was it was about Tennessee. T- tell me you're talking about Tennessee without telling me you're talking about Tennessee, right? Uh, yeah. And we're going to talk going to talk about all of that and uh to get into this first topic with pro day pro day was last week on the 30th for tennessee uh and we're gonna get into everything that happened there right after i tell you about our amazing sponsor omaha steaks spring is in the air and you know what that means Spring grilling. The steak experts at omaha steaks have made it easy to spring into something delicious with their semi-annual sale it starts Wednesday, February 22nd. Again, I need to update this. I've been on vacation. What can I say? Um, make sure tomorrow, <laughs> like that's some kind of an excuse. February 22nd was a month and a half ago. Um, <laughs> but there's semi annual sale, 50% off site wide. Grab all your favorites like perfectly aged tender steaks, ocean fresh seafood, juicy burgers, air chilled chicken, and decadent desserts. Plus, when you go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code VOLS at checkout, you'll get an additional $30 off your order. V O L S is your promo code. It's the perfect way to get fired up and spring into something special. Don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com, use balls at checkout and take advantage of this deal. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, and you're going uh, to want to hurry because 50% off site-wide is only happening for a limited time. Don't miss your chance to save. Visit omahasteaks.com, use code VOLS, V-O-L-S, at checkout, get an additional $30 off when you shop their semi-annual sale today. Minimum order may be required. That's Omaha Steaks promo code BALLS. Pro Day, Zach, uh, You've been a little more privy to everything that's been going on because actually that day was the day I left to come here. But before we get into the Hinden Hooker stuff, what were some of the high points of what happened at Pro Day? Because, you know, you, you see uh, some guys stand out, some guys maybe underwhelm. Was there any of that? No, honestly, it was pretty much just uh, reinforcement of things that we already know. You know, that Cedric Tillman is, is going to be a kind of under-the-radar player that, you know, maybe not quite as fast as Jalen Hyatt, but can definitely help a team with his physicality and the way he plays. And Darnell Wright, of course, you know, his stock just keeps soaring through the roof. I think the biggest story for me was Jalen Hyatt talking about his 40, Tom. And I, I almost think Hyatt's trying too hard to, like, create the or, or dictate the perception of himself. Uh, he, you know, kind of suggested that his hamstring was the issue for that 40 Tom being kind of lower than we expected, which he did, you know, quit participating in the drills, but he's after he ran the 40 because of the hamstring, but he specifically said, yeah, I felt it before that 40 time. Like it was definitely like, Hey, this was the reason I wasn't in the four, three range. And I almost felt like when you say that it draws more attention to the speed. Right. And he, he could have ran it again at Tennessee's Pro Day. He decided not to. He said that he thought about it, that he almost went out there and did it because he said he would definitely run in the 4-3 range. And I just feel like that's something you can't say unless you just go do it. Like, you have to go do it. Otherwise, you're a 4-4 guy. I mean, that's what you are until you prove otherwise. And we know he plays fast. I don't think the 40 time should be a big deal. We watched him blow by, you know, first-round SEC cornerbacks at various times this year. He did the Keeley Ringo at Georgia, even though Hendon Hooker didn't complete the passes to him. I mean, we know that he can play against these cornerbacks, and he has this top-end speed that he can reach, but I get the feeling that just the way that he's kind of handled some of the draft attention hasn't been the best in cer- certain circumstances. Not like Hendon Hooker and where he's he's kind of had a more – He's confident without being too boastful. Like it, it's genuine. It, it kind of reminds me of Joe Burrow when you hear him talking. Like he has this confidence that people like. It doesn't feel forced. Like like a Will Levis, for example. I know we love throwing shade at Will Levis, but that's the vibe you kind of get from Levis. Like we saw it, you know, when they played Tennessee this year, the way he kind of pouted or brought his whole team back on the field when he thought the interception would be overturned, just to have it not overturned. Uh, stuff like that where you don't seem as genuine, not the case with Hooker, I get a little bit of that with Jalen Hyatt. And, and Tennessee fans might not like that, but you know that's just kind of how I see it. 
it is interesting because he's he went from zero fanfare to all the fanfare. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that has some kind of effect because I mean it really was like but before the season, I mean, people were talking about him potentially transferring. And then that became the Bolitnikoff Award winner, best wide receiver in America. And so I wonder if that just that transition was so quick that he's having a weird time handling some of this PR stuff. I mean, Hooker, you know, he's he's almost as old as me. Uh, and like he, he's been around the block. He's so good with PR. I mean, you've you've just heard that from every single mm-hmm. person that seems to have interacted with him through this NFL process. Um, yeah, Hyatt, it's not great. I, I ultimately just go out it's, there and it seems and like he has himself. a like he has a chip on his shoulder every time he talks to the reporters. Like he has to yeah. have this kind of attitude. He doesn't seem relaxed at all. And, and maybe that's a good thing. We know that he worked really, really hard. I mean, he put in the work. He famously stayed late after practice, you know, after that huge game against Alabama. You know, there's no questioning his work ethic, especially kind of after he had that mindset change going from his sophomore year to his junior year. But you're right. I mean, he doesn't seem as comfortable. Maybe that maybe that is because he was just kind of thrown into the spotlight all of a sudden this past season, really, really after that Alabama game. Yeah, it just it's it's a wild thing to to be, uh, you know, essentially un, unknown. And then you score five. I mean, one of the greatest games to ever occur against Alabama mm-hmm. football that period. So I, I I don't want to give him a full pass. I mean, you got to get better at that. And it's a huge part of the job in the NFL if you're going to make it there, too. So, you know, the, and, and there, there are some guys that never do get it figured out. <laughs> Let's be honest there. Um but I, I think he'll be fine long term. It, it doesn't bother me that much. But overall, yeah, I mean, Darnell Wright at this point, some people are considering him the top offensive uh, lineman in this entire pro class. If he's a left tackle, he probably would be. Yeah. I, I mean, he, whatever he has been showing and in talking to these scouts, it, it is exactly what they want to hear it seems like and what they want to see and then it's it's also come from pro football focus and all those guys too have just been uh, falling over themselves about Darnell Wright so that's amazing but I think the main thing that came out of it that I don't want to say surprised people but people were really happy to see was Hinden Hooker and what what exactly was that again I was a little out of the the loop but there's been a lot of hype around him yeah, really, and it, it doesn't really stem from the pro day because he's still not been able to do much. I mean, he was throwing some passes out there, but he was just kind of standing stationary, not really moving around, just kind of not really even rotating his hips, just kind of you know throwing from a set position. I think he said he's supposed to start running straight in about three weeks. So he's he's on track to be recovered and, and maybe ready to go by late training camp, you know, preseason, start of the season. So his recovery is going as he expected it to go, which is, you know, a product of him working hard in his rehab. But, you know, over the past week or two, the hype for him with some of these drafts and these journalists, you're starting to see him pop up as a first-round pick in some of these mock drafts. And you're hearing some of these things about, like you mentioned, scouts and analysts saying, hey, wouldn't surprise me if he's taking above Levis, like him a little better than Will Levis. And I think a lot of that just has to do with his demeanor. You've heard things about Levis's interviews not going smoothly. Not that it's uh, it's kind of what we talked about. He 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 tries to control how he's perceived instead of just being himself. And I don't think that goes over well with with some of these NFL teams because they see through that stuff. I mean, they they meet with tons of quarterbacks every year. They they see through that stuff. And Hooker, you just don't get that with him. You get, I think they're finding out that. One, he's a good leader. Two, he knows a lot more about football than people realize. I mean, he's played in two different offenses. I think people forget that, that he had that time at Virginia Tech where he was in a completely different system. So he he really has this wealth of knowledge that he can marry together from his time there and his time at Tennessee and Josh Heupel's, you know, unique offense. I think they're finding out that he's a lot more knowledgeable about the game than they really thought he was. Plus, it, I mean, he's athletic. He produced he did everything he was poised in tough moments I mean you see the end of the Alabama game I don't care what the offense is those were two throws to the middle of the field with 15 seconds to go Uh, all the pressure in the world on you in a tied game and it's Tennessee's best chance to knock off their top rival in 15 years and he executed it flawlessly Uh, there's just stuff like that that transcends measurables and arm strength and what kind of who your offensive coordinator was. I mean, at the end of the day is, can you go out there on the field and do it? And Levis didn't necessarily prove that. 
he didn't play in a ton of big games at Kentucky where he had these huge results, uh, and Hooker did. So when it comes down to it, I mean, which one do you want? Yeah, when it, when it comes purely to football, I mean, who <laughs> – and I, I don't know how an NFL scout could almost say anything other than this. Two-minute – or, uh, you know, two-minute warning there at the end of a game, you got to get seven points to win. Who are you going with? It, so far, with career history, Will Levis or Hendon Hooker, I mean, when you look at just everything that he's done, obviously you said it all there. So cool, calm, and collected. Such a great leader. He rallies his guys. His guys love him. He Obviously, he went out there and genuinely proved it against Alabama and has proved it at Kentucky last year. They had an extremely close game with Kentucky. They won that game. Uh, he's beaten Levis twice. <laughs> I, you know, obviously this year it wasn't much of a game, but um, it, it, you just look at those two comparisons or uh, two guys and compare them. I mean, who are you choosing in that situation with the knowledge that we have so far? Obviously, the NFL is a different animal, but I also look. Then you move to the off the field stuff with Hooker. Extremely hard worker. He will be if he becomes a franchise quarterback for you. And I, you know, the the, the jury is out in terms of if he will have that ability. We'll just have to see. But if he did, can you think of a guy who would be a better ambassador for your team than him? You know he's not going to be off the field trouble. You know that he's going to go out and he's going to speak eloquently and he's going to be a great uh just representative for your brand and your team, and he's going to be a good leader for your guys. He's off. Already, he comes built in older than almost all the dudes on the field. Um, and and I, I just, yeah, you look at that. Obviously, we see everything through orange colored glasses, and it is what it is. But uh, just, I, I don't know how people look at that situation outside of the injury. Obviously, the injury is a huge piece of it. Mm-hmm. But if he can recover 100% and be the guy that he was at Tennessee for the bulk of this past season, um, I don't know how you rationalize at all that Will Levis is the dude over, over Hidden Hooker. And that wasn't necessarily the thrust of this. We didn't mean to directly compare them this entire time. But I think it's the it's the correct way to have this conversation because they are getting compared out there in, in media circles. So, um, obviously, I'm sure Kentucky fans would have some sort of comeback to that. I don't know what it would be, but I'm sure they could come up with something. Uh, but I, I just don't see it. And I... God, I hope the best for that kid. I want it so bad. He he should be rewarded after how bitterly that season kind of ended. And uh, for him, I, I want to see him uh, get his due in the NFL. But we'll obviously we'll see in a few weeks uh, whether it pays off. I will say one thing with Hooker. Did uh, do you ever wonder why like Kyler Murray was just this consensus number one overall pick after playing in an offense at Oklahoma that's you know modeled after an air raid offense. It's what Lincoln Riley had learned, uh, you know, from from being in those offenses at Texas Tech in East Carolina. It seemed like Kyler Murray kind of got a pass for that. And he was undersized, had the baseball stuff going on. Obviously, there's been off-the-field stuff with him, which has really only grown since his time in the NFL. All these red flags with him, and it was just like, no, he's, he's the number one pick. And Hooker while Murray, obviously his numbers were a bit better at Oklahoma than, than hookers were at Tennessee. And a lot of that's because Tennessee's offense was extremely balanced. People don't, you know, forget that, you know, they had more rushing attempts than passing attempts and their running game was really strong. And you had two running backs getting close to a thousand yards last year. Uh, you know, that's the reason the numbers weren't at the same level as Murray's, but it's just odd how Murray kind of gets that pass and gets that, you know, Hey, he's going to be the guy and hookers like, well, maybe he'll be a first round pick. And, and I know, like you said, the ACL is part of it, but there's no, there's no consideration for hooker to be in that Stroud and Bryce Young top two conversation at all. Even though he beat Bryce Young, you know, head to head and went one and one against him and never got the chance to play CJ Stroud. But I think we know that the Tennessee Ohio state matchup would have been a close game with hooker at quarterback. I'm, I'm sure for sure. I completely agree. I'm sure there is some, sort of mechanics tape based thing that they would tell you to be like, it just Kyler had every everything or something like that. But I maybe we need to get more uh, NFL guys. We had Trevor Sycamore yeah. on here a few weeks ago. Maybe we need to get some more guys like that to come in here and just tell us like, please explain yeah. to us what, what is it? Because this dude went on an 11 and two football team, led them to wins over some of the best teams in America and still isn't getting his 
his due. I'm I'm not totally sure, but obviously in in a few weeks uh, we will find out. But before we move on, anything else with pro day, Zach? Before we we hit the the high points on recruiting and stuff. No, I think that should should pretty much wrap it up. I mean, we're only a few weeks out from the draft at this point, and uh, a lot of those draft boards are taking shape. You know, Tennessee could possibly have three guys going the first round if Hyatt Hooker and Wright uh, somehow sneak in there. They should have at least three going the first two rounds, maybe four or five, depending on Tillman with and Byron Young. And you got other guys like Jeremy Banks, Jerome Carvin, uh, Princeton Fant, some other guys that possibly could be drafted in the late rounds as well. So it should be a pretty good year for, for Tennessee players going into the NFL. I mean, speaking of recruiting, there's few things that are a better recruiting tool than getting your dudes taken in the first few rounds of the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that does come to fruition for Tennessee. And on that note, as far as recruiting goes, we're going to talk about this QB commit that Tennessee got and some updates on spring ball right after I tell you about our great partner, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans have been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision for better coverage, better rates, and better service. Go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state of Tennessee. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Support them because they support us. Keep this show running. Thanks to them. Um, Spring ball continued on this week. Not a, not a ton of developments. I think the the biggest things that are going to happen are going to be uh, when when the spring game actually happens because specifically we'll all be able to see that happen. But there was a big thing uh, that happened over the weekend, even though no media, no fans were uh, able to witness it. But uh, there was the first scrimmage of the uh, spring practice session. And uh, that was Saturday. And some some of the stuff I read, I mean, you sent me some things off of uh, message boards and things, Zach. Like some people were saying that the number one defense really stuck it to the number one offense for portions of this scrimmage. And then the number two offense was pretty good. Uh, I want to s- correct me on that. I looked at that a few days ago. Mm-hmm. You sent it to me. Um, but was there anything else that was really notable from uh, that scrimmage? Yeah, I mean, obviously the defense being ahead of the offense, you wonder, I mean, it's the same question you have every spring because every spring we get that. You get the offenses ahead of the defense or the defense ahead of the offense. You know, this year it's the defense. Is that a good sign? And that's kind of a question that you struggle with because it's really hard to evaluate that because maybe it means one side's not as good as the other. But I think – and those questions can be – I mean, it's one scrimmage on one Saturday in April. I don't think you should take too much away from those ever. But I do think it's probably a good sign. Like, we know Tennessee's offense works. Uh, there's some new faces in there. You know, Joe Milton is obviously the guy going in. He knows that. Luckily, he you know, he started those two games at the end of the year. But he's got some different receivers in there. Um, obviously, Dante Thornton coming in new. You got some young guys. Square White playing a bigger role, which fortunately, you know, Milton was – playing with the twos a lot of the season got to play had a lot of reps with square white Ramel keaton but different offensive line you're mixing and matching they're still trying to figure out who's going to play what position especially you know right tackle left tackle and left guard so all that stuff takes time to kind of build that chemistry and get everything on the right page if they were out there torching the defense from day one i think that's a terrible sign you know for the defense especially the defense really needs to take a step forward this year they're really focusing on trying to get pressure with their front four. That way, you know, the linebackers and the safeties can help out more in the passing game and not have to rely on them to try to generate pressure. If they can do that, that's going to help the secondary out a ton. And that's been a big focus for them. So hopefully this is a sign that that that's working for them, that they're kind of getting that defense to where they need to be because their front, you know, their front seven was pretty good at times last season. Uh, Really, really good in the running game. It was, it was the secondary that just couldn't hold up when they weren't able to generate pressure. And that's where Tennessee really ran into problems. So hopefully this is a sign that that won't be as big of an issue. Yeah, I think the main thing I need to know from that, again, none of us were able to see it, uh, but was the, the well, do you want to call them problems with the offense? Whatever may have happened with the offense, was it because the pass rush was really good? Was it because the offensive line was not good? Was it because the wide receivers were dropping passes? Was it like, there's so many details as Mm -hmm. far as that goes that 
someone on a message board or relaying through a media reporter because what you get from these scrimmages is always oh austin price talked to his source and here's what the source said about the screen or whatever it may be west rucker you know they all they yeah, get their info they, the way they get their info th this one but, had some easy avenues real quick to info because apparently there was a coach's clinic and a lot of those people were able to go to the scrimmage okay. and i think there were some former players like i think i saw eric ainge uh was at this scrimmage mm, just okay just because he's a former player, so there are. It's not like the, it's not like it's wrapped up super tight. Like it, we have seen it at times where you know they don't want anybody in there at all. There are there are legitimate details that I think were leaked out. Has has Ainge said? I you know uh, sue me, but I don't listen to Eric Ainge on my vacation. Um, has he said anything that you've seen about the particulars? Like I said, I mean, was the offensive line rough? Was it the wide receivers? Was it Joe Milton overthrowing? Was it? Have you seen anything like that? Yeah, I haven't, not specifically from Ainge, but I did, you know, I have kind of seen that maybe the the offensive line struggled a little bit. I mean, nothing glaring, but I think that's to be expected. You lose a Darnell Wright, you lose a Jerome Carvin, that's going to be tough to replace. And they're, like I said, they're still trying to figure out, is John Campbell going to play left tackle? You know, is yeah. Gerald Mincy going to kick to the right side? Is Crawford going to follow him over there? How does that work out where is carriage but andres carriage best at left guard right guard you, you leave spragans where he's at like really cooper mays <clears throat> cooper mays at center josh hypo oddly said this week not oddly but kind of surprising that he put it out there like that mentioned cooper mays is a player that you know tennessee just cannot lose because jerome carvin was your backup center and now you're trying to rebuild that depth but he's really the only position that's locked in for sure on that offensive line so Again, I don't think that's a major concern, but it does sound like that was part of why the defense had some success. Yeah, that's it's going to take some time to figure out. It just is what it is. And so Nico we'll, looked Nico looked great. Apparently, you know, running the second team offense though. That uh, let's not. <laughs> but people, this is. I mean, this is going to be such a huge thing. You can just feel it coming, especially when when I saw that you sent me. You know, the few things that people had said about that scrimmage and they were like, Oh, the number two offense looked really good. And I was like, Oh boy, here we go. Here it comes. <laughs> the, the Nico, uh, the Nico hype has begun. I, I mean the I, first, the first, and it's going to happen. I mean, it, and, and the thing is, is it happened with Hendon hooker last year too. I remember that ball state game to open the season. I mean, Tennessee scored 59 points in that game one by almost 50 points. And I remember still being like, ah, Hooker seemed like he wasn't quite there yet. He seemed a little off. Like it wasn't perfect. He missed a couple of throws or a couple mm -hmm. of throws were harder to catch for the receivers. And, and that's typical early in the season. Obviously he got way better as the season progressed, but it's inevitable. It's going to happen with Joe Milton. And it's not just because of his history. It's just part of football. Like he's going to miss a wide open square white against Virginia in Nashville in that season opener. And you're going to see the, okay, let's see what Nico has. And there's going to be these rush to judgment based on one or two series. And inevitably we know it's going to happen. I mean, I, I won't lie. I am certainly a, you know, the best guy on the football team is that backup quarterback in when you haven't seen him play. Uh, Oh yeah, me too. I, I have I have been subject to that in the past for sure, and it is generally speaking, obviously the coaches watch these guys play all the time. They know, uh, and I mean, Hooker. Obviously, the Hooker situation makes you question that some <laughs> because Milton started, and Hooker was ultimately the guy that took you to the, your first eleven win season since two thousand one. Uh, but what if Joe Milton plays? continues playing that season i mean how does he develop we don't we don't really know for sure exactly. that that was you know that wasn't his ceiling so that's maybe not fair to say and hooker hooker didn't beat georgia alabama and and florida in 2021 you know yeah. that wasn't that wasn't what he did I'll, I'll just put it this way i i really hope just just let milton shine just let him be that guy and and let it let it just be what we saw in the in the orange bowl that's yeah. that no was substitute for experience i think that's the ultimate thing is it, it as good as nico is and i i do believe he's the most talented quarterback on that roster i mean he better be for for all the hype that that he got i mean you expect him to be that guy i mean kind of wrote this week 
all this stuff is great to hear about him, all this positive stuff from Josh Heupel and his teammates, but that's what we expected to hear too. Like, this isn't a surprise. This shouldn't be a surprise. You come in as the number one overall recruit, people should be talking about you, and that is what you should be doing. But no substitute for the experience, and Nico doesn't have that yet, and he needs to get that before they can really trust him in some of those situations. And it wouldn't be fair to him, really, to throw him out there without that experience and expect him to be the savior. But at the same time, he is the number two quarterback, and as Heupel said earlier, he is going to be pushed extremely quickly because you never know when something could happen to Milton. It could happen, you know, this week in spring practice. It could happen in the fall. It could happen in the first game. And Nico's always just a snap away. So he has to be ready to go extremely quickly. But hopefully, yeah, you just see him in garbage time this year. That would be the ideal scenario. Please just let that be the case. Uh, but time will tell. Um, with that said, we'll obviously be keeping an eye on uh, the the rest of spring ball potentially will be at the spring game. We're not sure yet. We haven't gotten that ironed out yet, but if we are, obviously um, that'll be awesome. And, and Zach and I will report live from there, uh, but we got to get those details out uh, ironed out first. But um, beyond that last week, Jake Merklinger, four-star quarterback, according to the two, four, seven sports composite ranking, the uh, the number one quarterback out of the state of Georgia committed to Tennessee. And this was impressive for a number of reasons. We talked about him last week, so we don't have to go super deep on it. But this is a good get. I mean, you, you look at him as a commit, and you go like, okay, he's he's not like the elitist of elite super blue chip as far as the quarterbacks in that class go. I think overall he might be... I want to say the number six or seven quarterback. Let me look at his two, four, seven page yeah, I think here. You're in there. He's top 10. Yeah. He's, he's the number six quarterback in the two, four, seven sports composite. Again, the number one quarterback from the state of Georgia um, where there's so much amazing talent, but uh, commits to Tennessee. And I think Tennessee was primarily battling North Carolina for him, but he had offers from Michigan. a bunch of places. Michigan was in there too. Or, or, uh, was it Michigan state? Am I making that up? Or maybe Michigan, one of those Michigan schools and and UNC, and so it's it's impressive because obviously he's a he's a pretty top notch quarterback recruit, but you just look at the context of the entire situation. I mean, he's choosing Tennessee, knowing obviously I'm I'm certain he knows the deal here. How how could you not? And uh, that Nico is gonna start for two years in front of him, probably minimum, unless he just has the confidence and bravado of, I, I don't even know who, just an unbelievable amount of hubris there to think that he'll come in and beat out a guy who was the number one overall recruit in America last year. Uh, I mean, more power to him if that is what he thinks, but I think you you have, you have you do an honest assessment of the situation. He's probably going to be sitting on for a minute and earning and growing growing in, in uh, hypo system. And that's really encouraging to me. I, that's huge. When I look at that and you go, okay, hypo can really sell this thing because not only is he selling it to a, a guy who's a, who's a pretty top level recruit, but he's selling to a top level recruit and saying, yeah, you're probably not going to play in t- for a minute when you get here. I mean, I'm sure that that's not what hypo said, but it's inherent in the situation. And that's big. I, I think that's huge. Yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack with with that recruitment and everything you're talking about there. One, you know, Heupel and his whole staff are very transparent with the recruits. Uh, they don't make these false promises. That's been apparent. And, and that's any good recruiter that sustains success. I mean, that stuff is – you can spot that really quick in a coach if they're not keeping their promises. But one, I think it talks – it shows Josh Heupel's recruiting philosophy. He recruits to a culture, uh, kind of like Rick Barnes does in a way. It's just a – more exciting offensive culture, I guess you'd say. <laughs> but he he bring he he wants guys that are competitive, that are good teammates. I mean, that is basically what he's looking for. And he said that from the beginning when it comes to quarterbacks. Like he wants obviously the skills and stuff, but I don't see him taking a I hate to keep going back to this. I don't see him taking like a Will Levis type guy just because of the physical attributes. Like, yeah, that's great, but he wants that leader. He wants that competitive guy like a Hendon Hooker 
who he, I mean, luckily that was just a perfect match happened, you know, happenstance that Pruitt had brought him in a Joe Milton, the way that he's carried himself and kind of set behind hooker these last two years waiting for his turn. This guy seems like a similar type of, of player and maybe he does sit for two years and then he gets his chance and he's learned those two years, how to work in this offense. And then he's ready to go, you know, when he's a junior, maybe he plays one or two years there as a starter and he goes to the NFL. Uh, I mean, that that used to be the way quarterbacks operated. They set for two years. They started as a junior. Every now and then you got a sophomore. You know, rarely did you get a true freshman. You know, Eric Ainge and, and Brent Schaefer were two of the exceptions there because, you know, Philip Fulmer didn't really have any other good choices. But that's the way it used to be. And maybe Heupel's bringing that back. Maybe that's just a fantasy and he'll transfer out in a year. And who knows what actually happens. But the fact that he's coming in knowing that's the situation – I mean, you're right. I think it speaks volumes about the culture, about that quarterback room, uh, the tone that Hendon Hooker sets and that Joe Milton's continuing now and that Nico is already kind of falling into that, talking about wanting to be there for Milton like Milton was for Hooker. It's a beautiful thing that it's coming together like this and and obviously landing a 2024 recruit that's also potentially sandwiched in between a 2025 guy that they're looking at. I mean, Nico's yep. brothers in that class. There's others too that they're interested in in that class that are high on their board. They're going to try to land a top tier quarterback in 2025. So he's really sandwiched in there in no man's land. And he believes that he believes in the system. He believes in the staff and he believes in his opportunity to compete and to still have that opportunity regardless of what his, you know, recruiting ranking was. Yeah, it, it's just really exciting. I, I'll put it to you this way. I watched some of the film. Um, is he the quarterback of the future for Tennessee when you look at it? Because obviously the, the question is for everybody, does he fit the system? Because Heupel is such a system guy. I think he does. But when we you you look at it, is is he the dude or do you think Tennessee – Ultimately, when his time potentially comes, might be dipping into the, the transfer portal and trying to find a, a hooker again. <laughs> that sounded funny, uh, but a Hinden hooker again. <laughs> uh, you know, it's certainly possible, I suppose. I mean, it, you, in this new landscape of college football, it's a year-by-year thing, right? I mean, you yeah. really don't know going from year to year. And, I mean, Tennessee's shown a willingness to to go there when needed. I, I think it just depends on what they see and what the roster needs are, but I wouldn't rule anything out, you know, at this point. Definitely not. Um, I think uh, as far as that goes, might be it for that, but was, was there anything else with spring ball with the recruiting, Zach, uh, that needs covering? No, I mean, it's pretty much, you know, going pretty smooth right now for Tennessee. Everything is... I mean, as good as it could go, it's been pretty quiet, you know, a quiet spring uh, as far as everything else. I mean, aside from the hype for Nico, hype for some of the wide receivers, it's it's been pretty quiet, and I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. As as a Tennessee fan, I feel like we said this a lot during Heupel's tenure, but as a Tennessee fan, it's always eerie when things only go well. You go like, when is the, when's the thing? When is whatever BS is going to happen? Uh, I don't want to speak it into existence, though. Uh, it is all going well so far. And let's keep on that that trajectory uh, and, and go from there. But uh, now we're going to have to talk about the bald guy, as I so lovingly call him. I mean, um, this could be the thing that you're just now referencing. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I didn't think about it. Uh, but yeah, maybe the, the thing is the uh, BS. Well, let's just say this certainly is total BS. Uh, but he's him and, and Derek Ansley are going to have a hearing with the NCAA. We're going to talk about it right after I tell you about Rattle and Snap. Tennessee Whiskey, our, our great partner. I'm out here in Arizona. And sadly for the people of Arizona, they, at this moment, hopefully in the future, this won't be the case, but they can't get rattle and snap out here. And I'll, I'll just tell you, I just feel sorry for the folks out here in Arizona because uh, Bog Still Distillery has released a new Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey, named after a long-forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version. I've had both. I usually, I have it behind me, usually on my little set here for the show. Um, but uh, I've had both. They're both awesome. Excellent for cocktails. Excellent to drink straight. Uh, so go get yourself a bottle. Also, the bottle is super cool. You can see it on the little 
graphic here looks great if you have sort of a whiskey display or anything like that. You can find Rattle and Snap right now in stores across the state of Tennessee. It's also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. We're going to have to talk to them about getting it out here to Arizona. Run, don't walk, and get yourself some Rattle and Snap whiskey right now. Follow them on Instagram at Rattle and Snap Whiskey and track down a bottle because it is real tasty. Sports Illustrated dropped this article titled Hearing Scheduled for NCAA Infraction Case Against Former Tennessee Coaches. And it seems like the general gist of this is that uh, Derek Ansley, Tennessee's former defensive coordinator, while all the nonsense was going on with Pruitt, and then, of course, Pruitt himself, are are fighting this thing tooth and nail to try to clear their name. I mean, I, I can absolutely see this for Pruitt. I mean, the, the guy has no place anywhere other than, well, college football or high school football. He could drop down to high school football. But I'm going to say for a guy who in his time has made, you know, $4 million a year as a head coach, he probably doesn't want to do that. Can't say I totally blame him. Uh, and probably wants to get back into college ball. Obviously, the talk was during this offseason that he was close. Alabama wanted him uh, to be their defensive coordinator again, and they couldn't make it work. Who knows what the exact behind the scenes were there. SEC squashed it maybe, NCAA squashed it maybe, who knows. Or Alabama just did their due diligence and went, eh, this is a little too uh, toxic. But they're going to have this hearing in Cincinnati, of all places. But uh, what's what's the quick rundown on this, Zach? Yeah, I mean, basically, and Tennessee will have to be there too, or Stroll officials from Tennessee since yep. they're involved in this and they're basically getting drugged into it. And this is holding up the resolution of all of this. I mean, Pruitt and Ansley basically aren't going away. They're not going to accept any deal from the NCAA. And I, I don't know if they're maintaining their innocence if they want to bring down more people with them, I really don't know Pruitt's angle on this because there's so much evidence. It's so cut and dry. And, and I've spoken about this and I've written about it. I, I don't I don't blame. I mean, Pruitt messed up, but he was helping a lot of families and stuff. It wasn't this just egregious spending and these outrageous violations. I mean, yeah, there were violations, but it wasn't it, it, it wasn't on par with some of the things that we've seen in college sports. So, but, but he did do it. Evidence is there. It's pretty hard to deny. I don't, so I don't know what his angle is. Is he just trying to get his buyout money? Does he think that if the NCAA absolves him from all responsibility of this or includes Tennessee in it, that maybe he'll get some of that buyout. I, I mean, I, I'm guessing that's his angle on this is it's financially related I would assume part of it is the show calls deal because he does want to get back into college football. But I mean, people get show calls all the time. Uh, and we've seen people even hired with them. I don't think Alabama would hire him as a coordinator with the show calls, but you could go work in the NFL. He worked in the NFL for a year right after he got fired from Tennessee. I mean, he could go find a job as a defensive assistant at some NFL team. Maybe it's not as glamorous as what he wants or exactly what he wants. I think we all know he, he badly wants to be back at Alabama. I mean, that is his home. That's where he wants to be. Through all this, it leaves no doubt that had he had success at Tennessee and that Alabama job would have come open, he would have been gone in a quick minute to go back to that because that's just, you know, it's in his blood. But I, I feel like for him, that's the angle. For Ansley, I have no clue uh, what his yeah. angle is. He's an NFL guy. I mean, he's with the Chargers as a defensive coordinator. He was in the NFL before Pruitt brought him to Tennessee as a defensive backs coach with the, I think he's with the Raiders. He's, he has a good reputation as a coach. He's not going to have any problems finding a job, but even as a, you know, he's a defensive coordinator. He could also, if something happens, he could be a secondary coach with a number of NFL teams. I, he shouldn't care about this show calls. He should just move on. And, you know, maybe he's doing Pruitt a solid by hanging in there with him. I don't really know what his angle is, but it's holding all this up and, while I don't think it's going to screw Tennessee because I think the NCAA, maybe this is me putting too much faith in them, they can differentiate between Tennessee and Pruitt and and who's been helpful and who hasn't. But again, it is the NCAA, so it does have me a little nervous that Pruitt is going to screw the whole thing and Tennessee ends up with these major penalties. Yeah, all that was well said. I There's a number of reasons why Pruitt would go for this that I completely get. Ansley, I have no idea. Why would you not want to just leave this behind and say, I'll go be, I mean, he is a defensive coordinator. 
for the Chargers. Like that's not a they're not it's not like he's a defensive coordinator for the Browns. Like it's a pretty he, good they're, team. Yeah, they're a playoff <laughs> they're caliber team. Yeah. Yeah. And just let it go. I don't get it there. Pruitt, I obviously get it. And I mean, it could be just straight vindictiveness. It could be purely that he wants to get back into college football. It could be that he wants his money. I don't think ultimately almost any of that is going to happen. But the part that does scare me is is the Tennessee involvement here because I I really do wonder if the NCAA tries to get their pound of flesh with NIL stuff here because Tennessee has flipped around and yes, they were completely cooperative in all of this. And I they obviously I've expressed my opinion here. I, they should have just paid Pruitt to go away. That was my original opinion. I still have that opinion. And, and it would have just been so much easier. I don't, we don't ultimately know if they could have done that, but it's what they should have done if they did have the ability to do that. Um, but now they've cooperated in all these ways, but now the NCA is scrambling to try to figure out how to punish people for an IL. Oh, you can't be giving all these, you can't be giving athletes money. We can't have that happen. And so now they're scrambling to try to figure out how to do that. And they potentially have an opportunity to get Tennessee here because what they've been doing is just reaching to low levels. They've been trying to hit Miami women's basketball, you know, not non non-revenue sports, stuff like that. College baseball. We saw obviously the BS with, uh, with Tony Vitello and, and Maui Ahuna, you know, they're, they're trying to hit some of these spots, but I wonder if the NCAA tries to get opportunistic and they go, okay, well we have kind of an open door to Tennessee here, even though they've cooperated what Tennessee has turned around and been super brash about NIL getting written up about $8 million with Nico. And um, obviously they're, they're now given state laws and things like that, working directly with, uh, with Spire sports and, and the collectives there. I, I wonder if the NCAA tries to get it Tennessee that way. That's obviously me being paranoid. And it comes from that same place of where I was talking about earlier, where you just go, where, where's the thing? Where the where is the the catch here? Where Tennessee's going to get got? Um, but that that does it. It concerns me a little bit that maybe the NCAA tries to get out over their skis, tries to get Tennessee here because they have the opportunity. Can they do that? I I don't really know. But I would put it this way: I wouldn't put it past the NCAA. The NCAA is the biggest crock of BS that's led by a bunch of morons. And now it's some new moron. I, I don't, the, the new president guy is some other loser that they've hired some idiot who, you know, hates himself and we all hate him. Um, I, I don't know. It's a dying organization that's in its death throes. And do they try to in, in their final moments, reach out and try to get Tennessee here? I don't know, but it, I'm paranoid enough to think that they might, cause it's the NCAA and it's Tennessee, but it's just going to have to to play out in, in the, I mean, it's not a court of law, but just play out in the courts here in the old NCAA courts. <laughs> I just don't understand why you would even, if you're the NCAA, why would you even want the possibility of Tennessee having these penalties or anything like that? I mean, Tennessee being good is good for college football in the same sense that Miami being good would be good for college football or Nebraska or any of these number of, of programs that were wildly successful in the nineties and early two thousands. I mean, it just brings parody to the sport. Nobody likes seeing Georgia win these back-to-back championships. Nobody wants to see Alabama, e- even Clemson, you know, there's fatigue with that. You want to see, you want to see these, you know, when Spanish, you want to see that, that postseason tournament, you know, play out like the NCAA tournament just did where you have no clue what's going to happen. Nobody, um, nobody, hardly predicted i'm sure somebody out there did but nobody really predicted that san diego state and yukon would play in the final or that you'd have a final four without a you know a top three seed in it i mean those are just things that are unique to college basketball that would be fun to see in college football and tennessee getting up there makes that happen it stills recruits from georgia and it, it levels the playing field for everybody it's good for the sport why would you want to handicap them and set them back uh and that goes for any any college football program. It's not just Tennessee. I don't, I don't understand the logic, especially now with NIL where nobody's even batting an eye at a player getting money. Nobody cares because it's so prevalent. It's all legal. If you do it the right ways through NIL, it's just not a problem anymore. And it it has to be an ego thing with the NCAA because it's not good for the sport in any way at all. And it doesn't, 
it doesn't move the sport forward. Yeah, that's that is the thing with the NCAA that will always be the uh, I guess the rogue element is that there is no logic. There's you look at their history and then assess this situation with Tennessee, and you tell me what they might do. It's it's been all over the place. I mean, there there is no evidence to show that cooperating with them does anything for you. There's no evidence to show that not cooperating with them really does anything all that bad for you. Um, there's there's no evidence to show that they'll be logical here. There's no evidence to show how illogical they will be because there's been situations where you go like, of course you would punish these people, and then they don't. And then there's situations where you go like, ah, he'll probably get off scot free, and then you get a ten year show cause you know donnie tyndall or some situation like that to, to draw on a tennessee example there um uh, who knows what they're gonna do get this over with this is so stupid and pruitt obviously a part of me believes that this has to be some vindictiveness from pruitt still trying to stick it to tennessee sticking the screws to tennessee he's an alabama guy till his dying day he never should have been hired here in the first place uh and and when he was fired he should have just been fired and told to get out here's your check have a nice day and they didn't do that and so here we are just get this over with and you know it's not like we can force the ncaa to do that so we'll just have to see what happens (laughs) we'll we'll obviously watch when when is this hearing supposed to be april Uh, 19th through 21st in cincinnati which is a very random location i'm not sure the backstory on that but if I'm sure that's there was just a, a conference room at a Ramada Inn available there that they uh, could get. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but uh, knowing the NCAA, they chose the hotel that had the free breakfast. That's literally good <laughs> stuff sitting under heat lamps. Of course, um, <laughs> it's just going to be in a in a, the the little table in a motel hotel room. Yes. Orange, orange juice with way too much pulp. ah yeah but we'll keep an eye on it and then we'll talk about any updates that come out of it but we're we're gonna finish the show with this because i gotta run go get back to this vacation um kirby smart popping his mouth off about uh tennessee's offense i'll I'll let you give a rundown on this zach right after i talk about our last great sponsor super book sports Make 2023 the year, uh, where is it, right here. Uh, Oh, hey, here it is. I have a new read for Superbook Sports. I forgot they sent this to me. Here we go. Baseball is back, and the push for the postseason is on for hockey and hoops. Make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experience bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. I I can even tell you, in, in Las Vegas, they're at the Westgate Hotel. They have the Superbook Sports Sportsbook there. Uh, I was, if you missed the first part of the show, I don't know how you could, but if you did, um, I was just there and they're there. So I can, I can prove to you that Superbook is in Vegas. Uh, Plus get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. That is Superbook Sports. Shout out to them. They just got off uh, from... Probably the best time to bet on sports in all year with the NCAA tournament. And boy, if I don't know how you could have bet on that NCAA tournament and not had an absolute bloodbath with the way things went, because every everything about that tournament was so weird. I don't, I, I we don't have the time to talk about that, but whew, that was a time. Um, all right, I'll throw it to you here, Zach Kirby Smart. Uh, I can't believe this guy. This is one back-to-back national titles. Makes me want to gouge my eyes out. But uh, what what was he saying this week that kind of uh, relates to Tennessee? Yeah, so after his uh, scrimmage, Georgia had also had a scrimmage on Saturday. He spoke to reporters just like Josh Heupel did. And he, he was asked about evaluating quarterbacks. <clears throat> and just out of nowhere, he says, uh, it's, it's a tr- a, in our quarter, it's like a true quarterback is a decision maker in our system because some systems take all the pressure off of the quarterback and they just go really fast. We don't do that. We're a quarterback-driven offense, so you can process the information. That means you get the signal, get people lined up, see what the defense is in, and then figure out if we're in the right situation. And he talked about you know, kind of getting multiple plays from the offensive coordinator, and which still 
first off, he doesn't directly throw shade at Tennessee, but I think we know that he's talking about an offense that Tennessee is the best at running in the entire country, whether the Tennessee is the best at offense, period, in the entire country. It doesn't really matter what the system is. Uh, they score more points than anybody. But obviously that's you know a reference to Tennessee and how fast they go, and other programs are starting to try to emulate that. And we all know the narrative out there that these aren't pro-style systems that don't really prepare quarterbacks and – Honestly, I, I'm not sure you know how to feel about that necessarily because there aren't a ton of examples of those quarterbacks going to the NFL and failing or succeeding because there just aren't a ton of those offenses and not as much as, as other offenses. But even in Kirby's comments, he's still talking about reading the defense pre-snap. And, and that is the, at the crux of what Tennessee does. I mean, they read defenses pre-snap way quicker than anybody else. And I don't understand how looking at that defense and it's more than just counting numbers in the box. I know that's what people like to say. It's okay. There's seven guys in the box. We're going to, you know, run the ball because there's some space there and they just kind of simplify it to that extent. And it's, it's obviously much more than that. Tennessee obviously does much more offensively than that. We've seen them go under center. We've seen them use clock and not go hurry up. We've seen them huddle. Even at times, there were times last year when they huddled. Uh, There's a lot of different things they can do. Thanks to Josh Heupel's knowledge of the game. If Josh Heupel wanted to go run a pro-style offense, he could. Uh, he's more than knowledgeable enough to go out there and operate that and to make those play calls and to install a system like that. But he's found a better way to do it. And I don't see how that's a negative. And I think this is Kirby throwing this out here more for recruits to hear than anything else. I, because who who cares what Kirby thinks about Tennessee's offense? It doesn't really have an impact on who wins or loses that game. But it could have an impact on how recruits view Tennessee, and I don't think it's necessarily for Kirby to steal a recruit, a quarterback recruit from Tennessee. I think there's plenty to go around. I think it's more to keep them from going to Tennessee because I think Kirby knows if Tennessee doesn't have a Hendon Hooker, a Joe Mill, and a Nico Yamalava, uh, if they don't have a really talented quarterback, you know, this it's not going to work. It's not. It's not. It's not just plug in a quarterback and it's you're going to score 50 points a game. That's not how it works. And I think Kirby knows that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the worst things that could happen as it relates to this situation, one of the worst things that could happen for Kirby and, and the rest of uh, the rest of the SEC that has to play Tennessee is that Hinnon Hooker gets drafted high here and succeeds in the NFL. I mean, that that would be obviously incredible for Tennessee and, and really bad for them because you can't negatively recruit against that. I mean, that, that it's exactly what you were saying here. It's him throwing this out to try to make the point like we're, we're, we're it's, it, it feels so, so similar to the early days with Saban to where they're just uh, playing that old style of football. And I, I please don't let it go back to that. And I don't think it's going to, but where they're just like, Oh, well, we're, we're doing football the right way where we, we have quarterbacks that run a pro style offense and that's, that's, you know, men's football we're playing or whatever. And it would genuinely be bad for that narrative. If hooker could get drafted high, go to the NFL and succeed. And Josh Heupel would be able to, to have an example to point on go looky there. This is what this system can do for you. You can go to the NFL. You can be that guy. Uh, and, and all you have to do is just work really hard in the system that, that we have here. And so, I mean, uh, yeah, obviously Kirby's talking about Tennessee there. That's, I, I just hate when it comes from him at this point, I mean, what are you supposed to say? Obviously his stuff works now. Granted, I think any system would work when you plug in 95 star guys, uh, on a roster, <laughs> but just beyond that, it's, it's frustrating you also can't say that much because they've won back-to-back national championships. But I, I would say as far as Tennessee goes, when, when other coaches go out and say things like this, just keep putting the results out there, sending quarterbacks to the NFL. Uh, if you can, sending wide receivers to the NFL, winning game, having 11 win seasons, you know, doing those things. And, and ultimately this match, but, uh, it does piss me off a lot that it comes from Curry because yeah, at the end of the day, it's not like you can be like, like with Saban, if Saban said something like this, you can go like, well, Hey, listen here, buddy, we beat you this year. Go cry mm-hmm. about it. Like we, I mean, we did that a few weeks ago because Saban was popping his mouth off about this stuff. Uh, but you can't do that here with Georgia. You got to go beat Georgia. So I would say the ultimate way to, uh, 
to take care of this situation is to go beat Georgia this coming season. But of course, that is a, a very, very tall task, I think. Do you think we put too much importance on how the how the system prepares a quarterback for the NFL? I mean, or any player for the NFL? I Maybe. mean, obviously, you want that uh, if you're I mean, most of the players on your roster aren't going to the NFL. I mean, yes, you want to develop players. Obviously, that's a goal. But Josh Heupel is not there to create first round picks. I mean, we've seen first round picks come from teams that, you know, were eight and four on an annual basis. He's there to win a national championship. He's there to win 10, 11, 12 games a year. Those are his objectives. And he has to do that. Whatever means necessary, you know, that's legal within the rules, whatever that's his objective. And that's what he's doing. So if you're, if you're Kirby smart, why are you worried about what type of offense it is? If you're Nick Saban, if you're any of these other coaches that throw in shade, I mean, Look at Dabo Sweeney. Tennessee beat him with that offense, and he goes out and hires an offensive coordinator and plans on running a similar offense to Tennessee, yeah. a hurry-up offense where they're reading, you know, doing the same stuff. And this is a coach that's won multiple national championships at Clemson. And he recognized that, hey, this might be a better way to do things. And obviously Kirby's way works too, but you got to have, you know, you got to have Jalen Carters and Broderick Jones and these just massive human beings to to win in the trenches to to do that. And Kirby's got those guys, but I, I don't really understand the shade. I would put it this way: I I wish that was not a factor in college football. the The only reason that sending guys to the NFL and having them be NFL ready is a thing is because of recruiting. I mean, you have to get the guys in the door, and those guys want to go play pro ball. And do do you prepare them for that? I, I wish that wasn't the case because what what is run and what wins in college football is not what wins in the NFL. It's two totally different things. Obviously, you can win eleven games in college football with the crazy offense that Josh Heupel runs. That would not fly in the NFL. And so I want to go just do what wins in college football, and Heupel is obviously doing that with this offense. But to do that, you still have to sink into the NFL and you have to prove that you can do that. It's well, now you do it. It wasn't always that way. I mean, yeah, Florida, you know, under Steve Spurrier ran a different offense and Danny Werfel had was successful. He wasn't much of an NFL guy. Rex Grossman, you know, he started in a Super Bowl, but for the most part, he wasn't this big NFL guy. I mean, the past 20 years was littered with guys like that. Jason White at Oklahoma, even Tim Tebow at Florida. You know, he wasn't a star NFL player like Matt Leinart at USC. I mean, there were all kinds of these. Even Casey Clawson at Tennessee or T. Martin won a national championship. They, they usually didn't go on to have these crazy NFL careers because their coaches just ran these systems that worked and they kept getting players and that the focus was winning the championship. It wasn't always on the next level. And, and maybe... Maybe that's just players now where the mindset has shifted, but it, you know, it's still at the end of the, to me, it should be about wins games. Yeah. I, they, they do go hand in hand, but I, I want more emphasis on the winning games at the college level, I guess for me. And as far as this situation goes again, the best way to shut Kirby up is to beat him. So please, 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 some, yep. somebody, somebody please beat this guy. Even if it's not Tennessee. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I think uh, well, you know what though. Uh, real quick, yeah. Do you realize that, uh, and this was something that kind of came up this week. Tennessee's the, the like biggest game on Georgia's schedule this year, and jokes. If Tennessee, if Tennessee beats you know Florida and Alabama, their other two big games, which are on the road, or really even if they they beat Florida and they lose to Alabama and they go beat Georgia in in uh, Knoxville in late November. I don't think the rest of Georgia's schedule, even though they're national champ, defending national champs, the rest of their schedule, I mean, like Florida, down Florida would be their toughest game. There's a scenario where like a one-loss Tennessee could get in over a one-loss Georgia because yeah. they would have, you know, a win over Georgia and a win over Florida or maybe Alabama. You, you'd have to make sure that you're the one going to the SEC championship in that scenario. That's, yeah. The, that's the only thing. That mm-hmm. makes me squirrely about it. But I mean, if if you did that, I do think a one loss Georgia that doesn't play in the SEC championship game probably misses the playoff next year. Because their hardest so, non conference game is Georgia Tech. I mean, they're yes, playing oddly, they're playing a couple of the non conference teams that Tennessee played last year, but they don't have that extra, you know, power five game where 
you know, Tennessee went to Pittsburgh and played and Georgia gets the cupcake in Georgia Tech and, you know, they're playing Ball State and UT Martin as well. It's a total joke. It's, it's, and they don't play Alabama. Of course. And they don't have to play themselves. Like Tennessee has to play them. <laughs> um, ah, God. Ugh. Makes me old to talk about them. So let's just not anymore. Let's just go. Let's beat them next year, please. Please. Uh, all right. Well, I got to go uh, get back to vacationing here for another few days. Then uh, this coming Monday, we'll be back on, on horse here. Uh, things will be back to normal and we'll have folks joining the show back on, on the live show. And we'll get back to it then. I am Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Thanks so much to everybody for watching. We really appreciate it. Go follow, rate, review, subscribe, notification bell, like button, all of that stuff. You know what to do. You're here. Um, thanks again for watching. And yeah, I think that's it. We'll talk to all y'all next week. See you guys later.